Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. You may have noticed this for yourself already. Ends are just not meeting the way they used to with the family budget. You could be casting a pretty wary eye at the mortgage rates if you're buying or preparing to renew your mortgage anytime soon. It seems that Canada's standard of living is dragging, and it's starting to fall behind some of the other G7 nations. To talk more about this issue and to give us an understanding of what all of this means to the average person if you don't have an MBA, is Moshe Lander, who is a senior economics lecturer with Concordia University. Good morning, Moshe. I don't have an MBA. Does that mean I can explain this? I hope so, because that's what I mean. You've got to know more than I do. You're an economics lecturer at Concordia. (laughs) (laughs) So as I said in the assessment, um, you know, people are feeling that squeeze and they feel like their personal standard of living is starting to lag. Um, Is that what uh, we're seeing on the on the national level and in comparison with G7 nations? Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say that this is probably something that we've been feeling for maybe 20 to 30 years now, even Uh, maybe the pandemic sped up a little bit of that feeling. Maybe uh, inflation in the last year has sped up that feeling a little bit. But this is a phenomenon that's been going on for for well over two decades. Uh, And in part, it's just based on this fundamental trade off between equity and efficiency. Uh, Canada leans a little more towards the equitability side than the efficiency side. And unfortunately, that has consequences for standard of living. Okay, so can you explain what that means? Sure. So, you know, equity is something that I think uh, most Canadians will agree with is a good idea when it comes to things like uh, racial equality, gender equality, and things like that, right? That That's not something that we really debate too much anymore. But when it comes to economic equity, it's a discussion of how do we split up the pie uh, that makes up our economy, right? So um, we tend to take the side that we would like that pie to be split equitably. For that reason, then, we have relatively high tax rates, maybe not as high as some European countries, but certainly higher than, say, the US. Uh, And if you look at Quebec, it's extremely high compared to, say, Alberta. Efficiency is how big can we make the pie? Uh, And so there's this trade-off then that if you're really just focused on trying to make the pie as big as possible, then you're really not focused on how is the pie split up. But if you're obsessed with the idea of how is the pie split up, uh, then you're not really focusing on how to make the pie bigger. And so Every economy has to decide, you know, whether you want to go 60-40 one way, 40-60 the other. Uh, Some claim that the U.S. is all like 100% on efficiency and couldn't care less about equity. Um, But the more you focus on equity, uh, you're really not focusing on making that pie bigger. And so while all of us might get an equal slice, uh, we're not getting a very big slice. Yeah, I was going to say in that analysis, it sounds like the basic difference between the United States and Canada. Yeah, and it differs too. Um, you know, within the provinces, like I said, I'm right now in Alberta, and Alberta is kind of the wild west of of Canada. But um, you know, it has very low tax rates, and and taxes, remember, at least in part, for the purpose of Robin Hood style redistribution. Right, we take from the rich and we give to the poor, and and we're we're all comfortable with that idea. But it's how much do we want to tax the rich, and how much do we want to give the poor? Um, when when you're really focused on redistribution. Uh, this dulls some of the incentives to be innovative uh, and, and to try and uh, take a risk because if your risk pays off and you become a billionaire, but then the state immediately reaches in and grabs a huge chunk of it, 
uh, where's the incentive then to to be innovative? Uh, and so that too can be a drag on our standard of living. If we want innovation, then we start to become reliant on other countries to provide that to us. And so again, using that analogy, that comparing to the US, you know, it's the US that has all the big tech firms and all the big uh, financial firms and all of the innovative products, well, I shouldn't say all, but most of them are coming from the US, not from Canada. Uh, and in part, it's because we view that if you accumulate wealth, if you earn lots of income, then that's something that should be redistributed. And so uh, risk takers decide that they want to take their business elsewhere. Um, in trying to prepare to speak with you about this, because as I said, I, I don't have an MBA and you certainly know a lot more about this than I do. I was looking at uh, the analysis that was done by uh, TD Economics. And one of the things that uh, they were pointing out, they've got uh, a graph of the Haver Analytics on this. And while Canada has lost some ground, uh, we're apparently still doing better than the UK, Germany, Eurozone, Japan. In fact, Japan actually fell below the bar graph. <laughs> so that that actually plays to my point, right? That we're we might compare ourselves to the U.S. and say we're a bigger taxing country and more focused on equity uh, than they are compared to Europeans. We're more American than we care to admit, right? And so we are a little more focused on efficiency over equity relative to them. And so, you know, I think Canadians maybe have a little bit of a stereotype when it comes to some of these European countries, but some of it does bear out in the data that European countries are very, very high tax countries, especially uh, some of the northern European countries have a long history of very, very aggressive uh, tax towards high wealth, high income individuals. And so, again, over a period of time, that starts to accumulate. And so you might not notice it from one day to the next, but over a period of decades, it does start to show. We're speaking with Moshe Lander, who is a senior economics lecturer with Concordia University. And we're talking about the standard of living in Canada because it has been steadily creeping back and creeping back over the last couple of decades. One of the factors um, that TD Economics was talking about as to being a contributing factor to this is uh, population growth. Yeah. So if you think about standard of living, let's say that we take, say, GDP per person, uh, GDP more or less continuously grows. And that's essentially the, the size of the pie. But if the population is growing at a faster rate than the pie is growing, then the amount of pie per person, GDP per person, is falling. Uh, so even if population growth keeps pace with GDP, you would see then that GDP per person would remain the same. And so, you know, Canada is uh, very welcoming, uh, very open borders, and it, it certainly has been much more so uh, in the last few years than maybe the decade before that. And so we're starting to see those stresses build up in, in other parts of our economy, but it is also showing up then in the data that if uh, GDP is not growing fast enough to keep pace with that population growth. It does appear that the standard of living is falling. I, I should point out, too, that one thing that's missing from that TD report is that when we're talking about this idea of standard of living, it, it is based on this idea of GDP. There's lots of stuff, though, that goes into our standard of living that doesn't show up there, like enjoying sunshine, uh, having time for leisure, um, spending time with your family. That stuff doesn't show up in the numbers, but uh, if you get the opportunity to do more and more of that because you've built up uh, your income and wealth levels, uh, it, it is possible that we could say that our standard of living is rising. It's just not showing in official numbers. Well, when we're talking about population growth, what do you think the impact of the uh, the federal plan to increase immigration by about a half million per year for the next several years, what do you think that's going to uh, do to this? I mean, we do have an aging out of working adults. 
Yeah, so I, I, I'm totally in support of the idea that we should be admitting uh, um, foreigners into the country. Immigration is good. I think where the problem is going to come in is that municipalities are not prepared for it. And so the, the healthcare services, housing, uh, schooling is not keeping pace. Resources are not being allocated there fast enough to make sure that they're going to be able to be absorbed into the economy quickly and seamlessly. So there, there's going to be a pressure point that comes sooner rather than later where we say, wait a second, maybe we need to review our immigration policy, not because we've become anti-immigrant, but because we need to give time for public services to catch up and figure out how they're going to absorb it. Uh, this was something that could have been done again decades ago, um, and it's something that's still being ignored in most city halls. But that that's going to be the type of thing then that could really put a drag on our standard of living uh, if we're not thinking ahead as to what this is going to mean for us 10, 20 years from now. Well, we're certainly hearing about that right now. I mean, Olivia Chow, the new mayor of Toronto, has been talking and asking for help from the federal government. So far, the federal government has said no. Um, Hamilton Mayor Andrea Horvath has also been talking about the need for bigger support for um, care for migrants in the city of Hamilton. Yeah, and and that's it, that it becomes a a nice um, political position if you want to take that position to say that, okay, if we want to try and slow down immigrants, especially if they're coming from uh, or if they're ending up in the the big three, right, Toronto, Montreal and Vancouver, they can quickly overwhelm those those public services there. Uh, And so once they realize that Toronto becomes a difficult point, then they start looking for what's in the area. And of course, Hamilton's getting a lot of spillover and that will eventually spill down to, say, London as well. uh, When Hamilton says, wait a second, we're being overwhelmed now, too. um, And this is starting to put a drag on our standard of living. Yeah. One of the other points they were making, we only have a couple of minutes left, but you make me understand all of this stuff. Um, One of the points that this uh, article was making was that one of the areas of weakness is a decline in research and development spending. Yeah. And so, uh, again, if research and development leads to innovation and innovation leads to profit and profit leads to higher taxes, then you can understand that early in the pipeline, then people are going to say, wait a second, I don't know that I want to go down this path because the, the risk of success is is actually a drag on my bank account, right? And so it's one of those weird sorts of ideas that if you know that you can profit from your research and development and from your innovation, then you're more inclined to want to take it on. And of course, that becomes the thing that can boost our standard of living over the long haul. Uh, the greatest jumps in our standard of living have come through research and development, innovation, and of course, uh, you know, the most recent one being, I guess, the internet uh, was, again, not a Canadian creation, in part because we wouldn't have rewarded the ability to profit from something like that. It does seem counterintuitive, as you mentioned. Yeah, and, and that's unfortunately the thing that when when you have counterintuitive ideas, um, then it's very easy for politicians then to try and present policies that appeal to those counterintuitive ideas, even though it could be detrimental to the economy, um, that the voters like um, those sorts of ideas, and, and that's where we have this disconnect. Absolutely. Moshe, thank you so much for your time. Anytime. Moshe Lander is a senior economics lecturer with Concordia University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.